You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Big Noon Sports Monday, if we have got a lot to recap from over the weekend. As uh, we saw Alabama advance past Maryland and a very gutty first half Auburn team was ousted by Houston. Also, yesterday afternoon, my son and I, as we often do, went down and watched UAB. And UAB laid it on Morehead State with a second half explosion. And now they are advancing to take on Vanderbilt. How cool is that? In Nashville, driving distance, ladies and gentlemen. And that's going on Wednesday evening. So all in all, again, it was just another exciting part of this wonderful tournament. And I'm not so sure this hadn't been the best one I've seen with some of the things that happened. How about Princeton? Uh, Florida Atlantic. Purdue taking an out. Uh, Kansas out. Um, it's amazing, and we've got some real Cinderella stories, particularly with the Tigers out of the Ivy League going on. My disappointments real quick as I look at my bracket are Kentucky and Marquette. I had both of them advancing, but they both lost yesterday. So uh, it's all good, and uh, we welcome Lars and uh, Christian be along here. Um, I wonder if uh, – did you ever fill out a bracket, Lars? Well, as anticipated, we probably are having a little bit of a technical issue. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure what, what's up with Lars's connection right here, Matt. Um, but uh, what happened to your bracket this weekend? Uh, actually, I'm still pretty good. I have all four advancing. Uh, I got all four right in the Midwest. Got all four right in the West. Uh, I had three of four in the South, which is where Alabama was. But uh, man. The, uh, don't even ask me about the East. I have one team, and that's the long shot. I had Florida Atlantic advancing. I did not pick Tennessee. Bad news. And a tournament, a team that throws rocks can win games. Uh, then I had Kentucky. By the way, oh, uh, I'll bet the cow pals are not there. Um, that was a loss. Kentucky at least expected to get to the Sweet 16. But diehard Kentucky fans expect to go to the championship every year. Um, and then I just, uh, Marquette didn't play like the Marquette team I had seen earlier in the year. So all in all, Joe's, I count them up. I think I have 12 out of 16 advancing. So that's uh, that's the situation. I should have copied off your paper. Now, well, how many do you have left advancing? Oh, I'll have to pull it up, but it's not 12. Hold on. It's, uh, let's see, it is... It is. I have one, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have eight. Eight of sixteen. Fifty percent. Wow. Um, I hate to be crashing on your parade here or whatever. That's not very good. But you know what? Who, who expected Princeton to be there? Somebody listening to this very show right now had Princeton in their bracket winning two games and getting the Sweet, sweet 16. You need to just go ahead and call in right now because um, we have an all-expense paid trip to bomb hours. No, I'm just, I, don't, I don't know. I just think that would be remarkable with somebody. Because, I don't know, you've been keeping up, Joe. Yale was better than Princeton during the regular season, were they not? And... Somehow Princeton won the championship game, and boom, it just didn't happen. So kudos to Princeton. Um, What did the guy yell at the end of the show, end of the basketball game? Anything can happen. Uh, That was certainly the case. I'll also note that somewhere, sometime over the evening, my cat got a hold of my bracket, and that's why there are a bunch of claw holes in it. So that's very interesting, huh? Hey, uh, Joe, as long as I've got you, technically we can't bring Lars in yet. Um, I know you're trying to do everything you can on your end to get him up, but I just thought I would also um, ask you about the Houston-Auburn game. Um, I wasn't, even with a 10-point lead at the half, I wasn't real comfortable because I've seen Houston play many times this year. I knew they were capable of coming back. And and unfortunately, we all know that Auburn can occasionally just absolutely lose the ability to put the ball through the net. And that's what happened. Uh, both from the field, where I think they made three, maybe four baskets in the entire second half, and then shot woeful around 50% or less from the free throw line. I think Houston's effort in the second half would have ended up with a win. But um, between Sasser being able to play, Houston's overall talent, defense, and physicality, um, and and Auburn's just not being able to find the basket, um, that all ended up with a Houston win. Two ones are left. Isn't that interesting? And I think there's a big likelihood that they'll face again, um, as they did back at the end of 2022. But... Um, I think Houston would have won that game even had Auburn been able to shoot the basketball a little bit better uh, because when it all came down to it, Houston just overpowered them and um, went on to win it handily. But it was really cool to watch Auburn defensively. They were able to really, really uh, pin the Cougars up and in the first half, and they made shots in the first half, particularly Williams. Um, second half, all that went away, and Houston advances to take on Miami. Um, also in that bracket, you've got Xavier uh, taking on Texas. Uh, that's that's a good matchup, too. My pigs, I picked them in the West bracket. I had them beaten number one seed in Kansas and advancing to take on, guess, yep, UConn. And then I had Gonzaga and UCLA there, too. So I've got both those brackets intact totally. Which, uh, you know, some of that is skill. But I will tell you something. It's probably a little bit of luck, too. Um, Alabama, San Diego State, if you've not heard this particular matchup details, it is 5.30 Friday. Alabama gets the long rest. That's good. Uh, and that game will be carried by the TBS crew. And uh, that ought to be a 
pretty interesting basketball game because you've got Alabama that's kind of long and sleek and, uh, you know, plays really, really good defense. And then you've got San Diego State that plays really, 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 really good defense. And we'll see how all of that works out. Again, 5.30 Friday, that game is in Louisville. And um, I don't know how many of you have traveled up 65. That's not a bad drive. Once you get north kind of of the uh, Alabama-Tennessee line, it's a real pretty drive, too, uh, with Nashville being accepted of having to get some uh, – having to get some uh, – you know, there's some traffic there beneath Batman. All right, let's see how many folks we've got online here on Big Noon Sports. Let's call roll here. Lars Anderson, are you on? I believe I am. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, good to be with you, Matt. I apologize to everyone for the uh, technical issue we had at, out of the gate. But, uh, yeah, going going back to the Alabama-Maryland game, um, you know, last week I was saying that uh, I watched a lot of Maryland this this year you know I'm a, I'm a big 10 person and uh, I thought they would give Alabama a good fight and you know they came out they, they were hitting shots and they gave their first four shots and uh, it was looking like it, it, it could be a dog bite for Alabama and then uh, over the final 20 minutes in the second half um, uh, uh, Alabama outscored the Terrapins 45-28, and even though Alabama probably had their, I don't know, their C game, they are able to win by over 20. Christian, how are you? How's your bracket? Uh, I'm doing well. I got my son in here with me today. Uh, you might hear him make some noise, but um, doing well. And uh, my bracket, not so well. Wait a minute. Stop the bracket work. I don't think you've ever mentioned this. What's his name? His name is uh, Leo. His uh, birthday was a couple weeks ago. He's a, uh, a Fox Red Lab. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got okay. it. I thought I'd known you for a year, and you finally told me you had a son. I was going, wait a minute. Yeah, no, no, sur- oh. no surprise, children. Just my, you know, I'm, okay. a, I'm, a, I'm a dog dad, Matt. Those are my kids yeah, right now. Yeah, but what is that? Your fifth? Yeah, uh, close, close to it. Yeah, well, if you count my brother's dogs, yeah, we're getting up there, yeah. but yeah. Hey, what'd you think about Alabama's play Saturday? I thought it was good. I thought, I thought it was good. I mean, you know, winning by double digits or, or you know, like that against a, a good team like Maryland, I think that was a, a great showing. And as long as they keep carrying that forward, you know, I think they have a really good chance to really get down to it, especially, um, you know, having guys, you know, like Javon Quinterly. I think. We just keep seeing him step up over and over, and I think that's a testament, you know, to his veteran presence. And uh, I think he's just really starting to get confident. And you know, I think when you have guys like him stepping up, you know, obviously they've shown they can win without Brandon Miller, but have Brandon Miller play how you expect him to play. You know, Bediako playing, um, you know, Pringle. And every time these guys are firing on all cylinders like that, Alabama is a very tough team to beat. Yeah, and I thought. Uh, Quinterly just played magnificent. Uh, four six shooting from beyond the arc, or uh, twenty two, which I believe is his career high. And uh, you know it was interesting that the Maryland coach came out after the game and just praised Devon Quinterly and said how proud he was because he had uh, he had re- recruited uh, uh, JQ uh, uh, ever since I think his like ninth tenth grade had known him for a long time. And uh, it didn't really, you know, went on 
a long riff just saying how big a, a fan he was of, of Quinterly. And it's not surprising, you know, that he is stepping up when it matters most. He's got so much experience, and uh, and, and uh, you know, he he played really well, obviously, last year in the SEC champion or SEC tournament, be in the tournament MVP. Um, and you know, the old saying is that guards win championships in March, and uh, certainly he is uh, rising to the occasion. Yeah, you guys think there's a chance he sticks around for a sixth year? There are there are rumors around Coleman Coliseum leaning that, leaning in that direction. I mean, with NIL, I don't see why you wouldn't consider it at least. I mean, I know it's a lot of school, but I mean, you know, you can make money while you're in college now. You're playing for a great program um, who, who has shown the ability to, to make it far into the postseason. Um, you got a great coach in uh, Nate Oates. And, and, you know, I feel like he could only, you know, increase his draft stock. You know, he's, he's coming off, you know, an injury. This, this past season has almost kind of been, you know, him kind of getting, you know, back in, in, in his body, so to speak, and, and feeling it out. And so I think next year having even more time to, to really, you know, get used to, you know, being back from that knee injury, you know, I, I think it could definitely benefit him. But, um, I wouldn't blame him if he's sick and tired of being in school at this point, but definitely wouldn't hurt him. Lars, what did you think about the play of Brandon Miller after being held scoreless in game one? I, I, I thought Miller was excellent. Um, you know, he, he didn't look, it didn't look like he, he was suffering any effects of the, of the groin issue that he has, uh, that he's had. And, um, you know, he, uh, it was very efficient. He didn't play, they didn't need him to be the star that he is and that he, and goes to the depth of this Alabama team. They can be used so many different ways. And, um, and I think it was good for Miller to kind of get back into the flow after going scoreless in uh, the first round. Just to, to, to um, you know, just get, like I said, get him, get him into, the, in, into the flow of things. And uh, look, this Alabama team, again, they, they haven't even come close to playing their best this game and they're winning easily double digits. I mean, this is a, it's a good Maryland team, like I said, and, and, and you can tell Maryland, Maryland's game plan was to kind of be rough, right, and, and go inside, attack inside, and, um, you know, I thought Betty Ako was a, a, a very important presence for Alabama, like, as he always is, um, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the Alabama, the, the, the three points shot up basically disappeared right and uh, they still just found a way to win by 22 over a team that uh, is, is good a good that's a, that's a good Maryland team um, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm going to issue this warning to Alabama fans be wary of Creighton that is a team that I've also watched very closely all year long Creighton for those who don't know is located in Omaha Nebraska and uh, Creighton and Alabama are on a a collision course to me uh, in the in the, 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 the to me the in two rounds from now uh, in the in the grade A and um, that could be a tough matchup for Alabama. Yeah, they got to pass San Diego State before that happens, and then Creighton uh, Creighton's got Princeton, crazy bracket over there. Um, I still I'll see, still stand by my pick that Alabama wins it all, and they'll end up beating Houston. 
pretty good team, too. But, hey, I'll tell you what, duck. Uh, upsets are being thrown around this term like crazy. Yeah, that's what makes it great. That's what makes it the madness. It truly does. Hey, coming up, we will uh, talk with the Alabama color analyst, Brian Passick. He'll give us some more of the inside information. By the way, way to go, Birmingham. What a great tournament. And I think we hosted very well. We'll be back in a minute. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high 59. Tonight clear, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 33. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, the high 68. And Wednesday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with a high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Vision Sports, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Christian Miller bringing this show on this uh, really sunny, pretty Monday. Still cold. I think it's going to break away midweek. Let's hope so. Joining now is uh, us is Brian Passink. He's a longtime, well, he's former Alabama basketball player, but longtime color analyst on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Uh, Brian, how are you? And um, let us know that. And uh, then your overall observations of what happened Saturday night in Birmingham. Well, I am doing great, and a big reason for that is what happened in Birmingham over the weekend. It was a great weekend uh, for Alabama basketball uh, to get the the one seed and and get to Birmingham, which was a goal uh, for this team to be good enough to deserve a uh, couple home games. And Alabama deserved it, and they took advantage of that. Uh, it, It was an awesome weekend for the for the NCAA tournament to be back in Birmingham for the first time in a long time and for Alabama to be there. And it just, it was special. Now, Auburn, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they were happy to be there and, and they should be happy to be there. Did they deserve to be there? Well, <laughs> I mean, a nine seed shouldn't get a home game, uh, in, in the, in the first and second round. I think most would agree with that, even if it's not Auburn. Uh, that that is something that they uh, can't turn down. I, I don't blame them for uh, they. You got to accept the bid, uh, and they took advantage of it in the first game. Um, but Saturday night at Legacy Arena was a great night. Um, Alabama able to advance to a Sweet 16. Um, Alabama's rival seemed pretty sad uh, that night. So, which means it was a great night for me. Uh, I had a good time, and, and Alabama is on to Louisville. <laughs> ah, you love getting those little uh, punches in, don't you? Uh, now we hear Charlotte. Come on, I don't have a dog. Y'all all have dogs with you. I don't. I feel very, very. You got to join the dog party, Matt. I guess yeah. I do. 
Brian, just take us uh, through, uh, through the game a little bit. Uh, Javon Quinterly really uh, stepped up and uh, took took the game over in the second half. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're calling him Mr. March, uh, and he has been spectacular in this month, uh, this season and, and, and seasons past. Uh, really happy for him. His story is just incredible. I mean, I, I, I love Javon Quinterly. Um, he, he is so tough. Uh, the, the resilience that he showed coming back from an ACL tear this time last year to come back, just to come back, he deserves a ton of credit and, and admiration um, of, of basketball fans and, of course, the Alabama fan base. But to come back and play at this level is ridiculous. It, it's just incredible. And it's a testament uh, to his hard work, uh, his toughness, competitiveness, uh, and, and the fact that he came back a couple months early is the reason why he's playing like this now. It, it took a little while to work the kinks out. Um, you know, the, the rehab process for a major knee injury is, is not easy. And a big reason why is you're just not able to get the reps in. You're not able to play basketball competitively for several months. Uh, so even though the knee was healed and, and he was, as quick as explosive uh, as, as he's been. Um, it just takes a little time to get back into the groove of big-time college basketball, and he's done that over the last several months. And right now he's been playing at an incredibly high level. And when he wasn't playing at this level, this team is pretty good. And now that you add JQ to the mix, um, that's a, a reason why a lot of people pick Alabama to cut the nets down in Houston. But I think we talked about last week. That is uh, easier said than done for the the number one overall seed. It hasn't happened in 10 years where the number one overall seed has actually won the national championship. It's hard to win six games in three weeks. Uh, Alabama's got two down, four to go. Uh, But this next one will not be easy. San Diego State uh, was as impressive as anyone I've seen in this tournament through two games. Have they played a team as good as Alabama? No. Uh, But... With the teams they played, they've been very impressive. They're a veteran group. Uh, they're tough. They're strong. They're really good defensively. They're well coached. Uh, Friday night in Louisville will not be easy, but uh, they're not supposed to be when you get to the Sweet 16. Brian, talk about how, how vital it is to have a veteran like Javon Quinterly on a team that's filled with, you know, a number of younger players. I know they're mature, but they're still freshmen at the end of the day. And, and we know how helpful, how helpful it is, um, just to have that veteran presence on a team. Just speak on that a little bit and, and, and his role in terms of, you know, how he is a leader to these guys in, uh, March when it matters most. Yeah, it, it's a great question because he's invaluable. Uh, not just from a talent standpoint, even if he wasn't playing at this level, what he and uh, Noah Gurley uh, are doing in the locker room and practice, um, just from a experience maturity standpoint, um, is so important for this team. And and the the unselfishness that both of those guys in particular has sh- has shown. I mean, Noah Gurley, I think he he didn't play in two out of Alabama's last four regular seasons season games just didn't get in the game um, because of depth, because of matchups, different reasons. And he didn't skip a beat. His attitude, uh, his enthusiasm, his leadership um, was was as good then as when he was getting a ton of minutes. And the same could be said for JQ. 
midway through the season where he, he wasn't in some key moments and end of games, different times. He, he wasn't getting the minutes that he wanted, but still his leadership, his attitude, um, his cheering on his teammates, helping um, other freshmen that maybe were playing in front of him that, that a lot of people might view as competition for minutes. Uh, he was encouraging them and there for them. And I, I think that that leadership and that unselfishness is contagious. I think it's a reason why uh, Jane Bradley went to the coaches before the SEC tournament and a freshman showed that unselfishness and maturity as a freshman and suggested that JQ start in front of him because of how well Javon was playing, how poorly Alabama was getting off to start the last couple of weeks of the season. And and that's um, just a, a move that that just shows you how unselfish this team is and how for each other they are. And, you know, I, I know, you know, you, you guys know, and Christian especially, that it, you can you can have a ton of talent. Um, but if you don't have that unselfishness and togetherness and uh, just being for each other, it's hard to win championships, if not impossible, Absolutely. without that kind of attitude. And Alabama has it. It's a reason why they've already got uh, – Two, two titles and hoping for a third and the third <laughs> would be the national title. So uh, they've done to this point all you can do an SEC regular season title, a tournament title in the Sweet 16. Uh, but now is when it, it gets as hard as it'll be over the course of the season. But this team's in a really good spot. Hey, just an overall grade card on Alabama, the city of Birmingham, and particularly the legacy arena on how this was handled. Uh, as we know, we hadn't had one since 2008. So I, I think there were people that were, uh, observing this a lot from, you know, the concession lines, the parking. What is Brian passing? What kind of grade would you give the entire event in Birmingham? Well, I, I mean, I thought it was spectacular and I, I think, um, it, if the grading system is will will the NCAA tournament come back? I would say absolutely, wow. uh, and a big reason why it, Legacy Arena is really nice now, and and it, it, it was a and it was fine twenty five years ago, uh, but it needed to be updated, and it is so nice. And uh, you know downtown and the uptown area, you, you've got I mean the the hotels and restaurants and Top Golf, and I mean it's it's just a uh, night and day compared to how it was um, you know a couple even a decade ago so the NCAA tournament is a big time event um, Legacy Arena is a big time arena and the surrounding area in Birmingham uh, is a, a great underrated sports town and not just for football I mean the, the Birmingham has proven a love for sports regardless of, of what it is uh, and it, it was so much fun to be in and around downtown Legacy Arena, it felt like Saturday um, afternoon in, in the uptown area, just walking around, it felt like a Final Four. Uh, it, it just did not feel like a first and second round site. Now, the reason for that is Alabama and Auburn were playing, but it just had a, it just had a something in the air that was different. You usually get that in March, but not in the first and second round site. So it was special. I think everybody involved had a great time, and uh, especially those that were wearing crimson and white Saturday night watching the tide roll to the Sweet 16. 
It was sweet. Uh, even if you're just sitting at home watching it on television, it was uh, it was great. And it looked like Birmingham entertained with an A+. All right, uh, Brian, uh, pack up your bags, head to Louisville. That sounds good to me. I'm yeah. in. It's not a bad drive, folks that are listening. Uh, Will, we'll take your phone call on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. National championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, as uh, we continue to recap the weekend as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. I believe we uh, we have calls. We'll take calls, 205-342-9904. In fact, that's where we're going to go right now as Will joins us on Big Noon Sports. Will, how are you? Uh, well... They are they are wide open. So if you'd like to uh, contribute, then that would be a great thing to do. Again, the number is two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. All right, guys, let's open up the Rick Pitino bidding. Um, right now, they're saying at St. John's, where uh, Mike Anderson was uh, relieved from his duties uh, about ten days ago. Um, saw pictures of him. Of course, his team was ousted in first round in the Gales of Iona. But, uh, Lars, let's go round table here. Uh, you just start out with it. He's 70 years old. He doesn't look it. You know, he's one of those guys that hacked you off. You know, like, actually, Lars, like you hacked me off. I mean, Lars is probably right around 50. He looks like he's 30. Uh, he could pass at Alabama as a student in his own class. So all that being said, I think he's certainly healthy enough. He's got the championships. He's made 23. NCAA tournament appearances. Um, is this guy coming back? When and where? Yeah, I think it's a perfect fit at uh, St. John's. You know, uh, there is so much talent 
in New York City that ends up getting out of New York City, getting out of Queens, getting out of the Bronx, getting out of uh, just the entire region. And suddenly if Rick Pitino, this huge name, becomes the head coach, I think you're looking at a St. John's that could get back to the Louis Carnesecca days, right? When, uh, when, when St. John's was a, a, a real force and, and, you know, churned out the, the likes of, uh, of, uh, you know, Chris Mullen, Mark Jackson, Bill Wennington, Walter Berry. And, um, I, I, I love it. I, I, and, and cause, you know, he's like, uh, Patino, he's, he's from New York. And he's a, he's New York tough. He's New York street smart and, and he'll be, he'll, he'll have the pick of the litter of, of the New York players. And I, I just think, um, that, that, uh, he'll also be able to funnel a huge amount of NIL money to St. John's. Good point. Uh, because, because he's, he's just got so much star power. And uh, I, I think it'd be a perfect place for him to end his career, you know, uh, coach another four or five years and then uh, uh, ride off into the sunset. Christian, what, what, what are your thoughts on Rick Pitino? Um, I have no idea, guys. I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I did. So I'll just echo exactly what Laura said. <laughs> if he can recruit well there and get some good NIL money, uh, sounds like a good fit to me. So that's uh, a... <laughs> That's what I'll add on that. I mean, I know he's a great coach. I just, I don't know. I'll be honest with basketball. I don't, I'm not the best when it comes to fits and, and placements and where people should go, but it sounds like it, a good fit from what Lars was saying. Well, this guy knows how to do it, but Lars, let me, let me ask you this. Um, you know, it's been almost a generation with since he's been in the limelight. Do kids today growing up on the New York City streets and playing basketball and hoops you used to, do they know who he is? Um, I, I, yeah, I would think so. I mean, and all the, it, it's pretty easy to, you know, to go back and, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, because he's, it's not like he has disappeared from the scene. You know, um, he did win two national titles at at two of the most high-profile schools in the country, Kentucky and Louisville. He's coached in 23 NCAA tournaments. Um, you know, and again, he's 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 from New York, and he's just uh, he's got that 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 New York swagger about him. And uh, I, I just I, I love the fit. Uh, I, look, I know that he. Um, he rubs people the wrong way because of uh, a lot of, uh, you know, missteps over the years, to put it gently. Well, he's made some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? He's a character. And I think the game of basketball is better when Rick Pitino is at a high-profile high school. So the scandals aren't going to affect him moving forward? And I, just, I hate to bring that up. I mean, I'm not trying to bring up his skeletons in his closet, but just... I feel like it's something to be considered. Is, is it, so I guess he's able to coach now, or how does that work? Well, yeah, he is coaching. He's coaching at Iona, but, you know, he had some um, rather interesting, and uh, that's putting it as mildly as he possibly can, incidents at restaurants in, in Louisville. I think it was his own restaurant, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, time cures a lot of wounds. And you know what supersedes all that, guys? Winning. Winning. The guy that can coach and win. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, I, I think that's a really good match. Like I said, I think it'd be a good way for him to uh, to end his his career. Um, Christian, I, I did want to just change subject here real quick. What do you think about Lamar Jackson, uh, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, who uh, signed the the the, the, the franchise? Or who was assigned uh, the, the the tender of thirty two million dollars? Any team in the league is allowed now to negotiate a contract with Lamar Jackson, but nobody has. Are, are you surprised that that Lamar Jackson is 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 still uh, just sitting there uh, with the Ravens? Ostensibly, he's going to play. Uh, for 32 million. I can't imagine he wouldn't play and just turn down the 32 million. But are you surprised that no other team has offered him a long-term contract? Not really, just because I, I think teams are taking their time to do their due diligence and figure out what needs to be done, uh, what needs to be in place for uh, them to make this happen. But also, I feel like they, they almost feel like they're just doing the dirty work for the Ravens who uh, have the ability to match things. Um, and then it's going to require, I think, two first-round picks in order for them to acquire him, at least. So, um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. However, I think, you know, teams are a little, you know, foolish for not necessarily at least testing the waters. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's um, MVP of the league at a young age. I mean, um, everybody only, you know, highlights his, his ability to run the football. And that's because, you know, the way he does at the quarterback position is almost unprecedented. I mean, I know you got guys like Michael Vick, but... Um, just seeing Lamar Jackson, I mean, he truly is a, a generational type talent. Um, so I, I think a lot of teams are missing out on this opportunity, and I think they at least need to, uh, you know, put 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 their offer in or, or figure something out just to even give it a shot. Because I mean, you, you're talking about a guy who who definitely can change your franchise. Um, you know, I think I saw a couple teams mentioned uh, recently with him. I really think Tennessee would be a great option. They're a run first team. Um, not that he can't throw the ball, but I'm just thinking in my head, I mean, you put him in that type of offense, right? And, and I feel like that's what Tennessee's been lacking. I mean, Tennessee has, you know, been making it to the postseason, but they're just missing that one piece. And uh, I just feel like the quarterback position is where they really could take that next step. I mean, you pair him with a guy like Derrick Henry. Now, I don't know how that's, how that's going to work out, trying to uh, pay all these guys, but man, um, I, I really think that'd be a, a phenomenal fit for Lamar Jackson. I saw the Colts and the Vikings also kind of thrown out there. Um, those could definitely work too, but for some reason I, I see Tennessee and, and I think that could be uh, man, just a, 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 a top-notch fit for both uh, parties and uh, I guess we'll have to see, but I, I think there will start being some more buzz rev uh, revolving around uh, Lamar Jackson coming up shortly. You think, uh, before we go to break, do you think Lamar Jackson has just dug his heels in on, in the sand, so to speak, about having his contract be fully guaranteed like Deshaun Watson, and that may be a reason why teams are, are a little are, 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 are scared off because... <laughs> If, if you if you give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract, I think that is going to tip the balance, right? That is going to be the the, the 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 crack in the dam where it breaks, and every quarterback, every franchise quarterback from here on out will demand and ultimately receive a fully guaranteed contract. I mean, it's almost like there could be collusion going on among the owners 
not to offer him a deal like that because they do not want to go down that path. And that's a very real possibility, Lars. I mean, that's more so for the owners on that part. But if I'm an NFL GM, and I guess salary salary caps are involved, so that that would affect them as well somewhat. But you know, do do you think that's going on? Sure, that that could be uh, a possibility. But also think it's just he's a very expensive option. Again, you're going to have to give up um, picks. You're going to have to sign him to a contract. Um, so I think that also plays a role. But again, I mean, if, if you want the best, you got to you got to you got to pay him like that. And then I don't know. I, th- I think teams will slowly start figuring out if, if they think he's worth it or not. But it, it doesn't help though that he's demanding you know that the fully guaranteed contract because that, that does make it more difficult on GMs um, to get it done. But like I said, if, if you if you want a top tier quarterback, sometimes you got to pay the price. Good stuff. Digging in some football. I want to go back to the NCAA tournament because I just read a story that my eyes bulged out in a claim about what the NCAA tournament does to America. You, you got to hear this. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisanne thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high 59. Tonight clear, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 33. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, the high 68. And Wednesday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with a high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Noon Sports with Lars, Christian, myself, Matt Coulter, and Joe's handling all the behind-the-scenes work along with Aiden. Read this story this morning from CNN, and it just boggled my mind. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, think about it. They say that the distractions that come along with the NCAA tournament the games during a regular work day, the, you know, the map, it doesn't even matter if you're a huge basketball fan. We've discussed this, but people do brackets and they talk about the brackets at work. I can understand it being a distraction, but CNN claims that the United States loss in productivity 
in the business world is 17.3 billion. Billion. That's a B, folks. Billion dollars. Of course, this was a poll that they did themselves based on um, some outlandish reports of cities losing uh, a billion themselves, like in New York. Um, I know it distracts some, Lars, but $17.3 billion? Yeah, I, I would like to see the uh, the methodology that they use to come up with that figure. But, um, you know, sometimes you can manipulate numbers to tell you exactly what you want to hear. And you can manipulate numbers uh, to back up a thesis that you have. Um, so I, I don't know. I am, I'm, uh, I'm skeptical, but, uh, <laughs> I'm skeptical too. Uh, of that. Certainly there is going to be a dip in production of overall work production, uh, when there's such a, a monumental event that brings many of us to a standstill. Right. Like, uh, who doesn't want to be with their buddies, you know, at, at, a, at a public place, uh, watching, watching the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament? It's, it's, it's basketball all day and it's fun basketball. And, and, you know, you, you get that, uh, you get a one seed losing to a 16 seed for the, the second time in, in history. Rest in peace, Purdue. Um, <laughs> man, and, and really rest in peace, the Big Ten Conference. Uh, not, not, not a stellar showing by the Big Ten. But if, you know what's amazing? Tom Izzo, right? Yeah. <laughs> he has, he has just an average Michigan State team. They really don't have any bona fide stars. They were, you know, like everybody, they were in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten. And then suddenly you put you put Tom Izzo and Michigan State into uh, the, the, into the tournament, and here we go. You know they're in the in the Sweet 16, and I'm beginning to wonder if Tom Izzo isn't the best college basketball coach of the last like 20, 30 years. I mean, that's how much admiration I have for him. And he, and he to me, it, 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 look, every, to me, he does it the right way. And I know he's been caught up in some of the scandals in, 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 in sort of by almost transitive property, some of the scandals at Michigan State, and he may not be as pure as the driven snow. But, but Matt, I just think the world of Tom Izzo and the, and, and you just see it again this year, the job he's done. And there are a few coaches that, uh, suddenly March comes around and they light up. There are, there are players. Jake Hughes, an example. But I think not in Izzo's, he's not in Izzo's circle by any stretch of the imagination. But look what Musselman has done at Arkansas. Isn't this his third straight Sweet 16. I mean, this guy knows how to coach in the NCAA basketball tournament. And I believe there are certain guys, whatever the case may be, he brings them together. I know Wimp used to change his team a little bit, and that's why he had a lot of success in it. He'd change a little bit offensively, maybe a little bit defensively, and it would throw teams off, and it worked. 
as uh, Wimp was making sweet 16s all through the 80s and 90s. But uh, anyway, that's my thought. And we are past time to break for the top of the hour. When we come back, a little bitty, and I mean this in every uh, definition of the word, bit of information came my way about the, and I guess not just Birmingham, but the sites of the tournaments. And I just it, it made me very curious. We'll talk about it in a moment. patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. National championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. And here we go with hour number two. Matt Coulter is just Matt. Matt Lars, the gang is here, along with uh, Christian, who has this new puppy or son, as he told us in the first hour. Uh, right there with him in the uh, Tide studio, so all is cool. Uh, certainly, we've been talking a lot about the NCAA tournament. Alabama advancing. They will now play Louisville. Uh, they will play at Louisville against San Diego State. Um, a really tough team to play because they're so good defensively. But you know what? So is Alabama. Uh, that game is slated for 5.30 Friday on TBS. Uh, Auburn put up a really good fight against uh, top-seeded Houston. Uh, Saturday in the early game at Legacy Arena, but just kind of fell apart in the second half and then Houston up their game. Uh, really proud to say that UAB is now in the quarterfinals of the NIT. I went yesterday and I watched and it was not a dazzling performance by, by Jelly Walker. Uh, but this team has learned to play when he's not on and they end up beating Morehead State by around 20. So, uh, I like to see that. They're going to Nashville where they will play the Commodores in a match between Conference USA and the SEC. They will play on Wednesday. Um, I think that's run through most of the basketball stuff. We could go through brackets, but I did want to pose something or just let you all know something that uh, I thought I found quite curious is that um, and anybody that went to the tournament that's listening can back this up. I would appreciate it, but it's an odd thing. Um, my son went Saturday. Actually, he went Thursday. 
He did not go Saturday. But he ordered like a Coca-Cola that had a twist bottle cap on it. And they insisted on being able to open the Coca-Cola at the concession stand and take the cap. And we sat yesterday at the UAB game talking about the reasons they might do that. And this may sound trivial to y'all. I find it quite interesting in this day and age with security and all that. Lars, why would they take the cap when you can use that to screw it back on, keep the drink cooler, keep the carbonation in? Um, somewhere along the lines, I guess there's got to be a reason for that. And I would imagine it's uh, probably for security. You ever heard anything like that? I know they'll pop the beers. I think they're required to do that at, uh, at all events like that. They'll open the tab. But I uh, never heard about that, about uh, taking the, you know, the bottle cap off your Coca-Cola. Uh, that's uh, that's a new one. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> you're leaving me speechless there. Uh, well, that's kind of way I was when he told me. I went, what? Yeah, I, mean, I guess it would probably be a, for security reasons that it's uh, easy to... I don't know, throw the cap down on the court, uh, you know, uh, in a more discreet way than it would be to throw the entire bottle might be, you know, I, I, I actually, I, I don't know. That's pure, pure guess. Uh, there's gotta be some rationale there. I just don't know what that is. Um, yeah, that's an odd one. Um, you know, but, but going, going back to the tournament, it's uh, surprising to me that uh, the Big East has three teams in the Sweet 16. Uh, Creighton, a, a school that I mentioned earlier that's on a collision course, I believe, with Alabama. And then uh, Creighton, UConn, and Xavier. And um, then you have the SEC. They also have three. So those two teams, those two conferences are tied for the most uh, in the SEC of Alabama, Arkansas, and Tennessee. And I want to touch on Tennessee in a second. And then the, the Big 12 has two, uh, Kansas State and Texas. Uh, and other than that, every other conference is just represented by one team. And so I, I would say this, if you're viewing this from, you know, the 30,000-foot level, that uh, the, the Big 10 was the, the, the big loser in uh in in the first weekend of the tournament and i i think you actually can divine like some truths about the remaining teams based on the conferences they come from because this gives us a snapshot of where who the strongest conferences are and uh i think it bodes well for alabama that there's two other sec teams in there and in alabama if they end up getting through creighton and tennessee keeps advancing those those two teams would would eventually meet and so my, my question is, and, and, you know, we've, we've watched Alabama, uh, lose to Tennessee up in, up in Nashville in a game where it was really the only time all year that we saw Alabama get pushed around. Uh, do you think a potential matchup, and I know this isn't until down the road, right? But do you think Alabama, Tennessee potential matchup would be one that the Alabama players would embrace and covet based on what had happened the previous time? Or is it something that, uh, I don't know, these guys might have our number. What, what, what do you think, Christian? 
Uh, you know, it's it's really tough to say, honestly. Um, I don't know. I, just, I think basketball is just so much different, so it's really hard for me to speak on. Matt? I think there's a little bit of the, man, <clears throat> they kind of beat us up. But I, I think there's more. We got them on a neutral site. Uh, we are better than them. And by golly, we not we may not be as physical as Tennessee, but we can still play defense. And I would think 90% that uh, Alabama would embrace a rematch as opposed to going, man, they hurt us last time. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I do think, though, that I think there are teams that watch Tennessee and Duke, particularly in the first half, they will just slinging blue devils everywhere and they didn't care if they got called for fouls they established yeah. intimidation in that first half and i give duke credit they came back made it a really good basketball game but i don't know if i've seen this year a more physical team than tennessee and a team that boasts it they thump their chest they say come on over here i'm gonna slug you in the mouth yeah and, hey they're willing to take the, they're willing to take the calls uh, because eventually, Lars, don't you think if somebody's been bodying up on you, pulling on you, tagging on you, bumping you around, doesn't it kind of get to you mentally, especially if you're not getting fouls called? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I equate this Tennessee team to that annoying guy at the gym, right, when you're playing five-on-five pickup. And you, he, he is assigned to guard you and he just like, you know, is constantly clutching, grabbing, uh, just, uh, you know, boxing you out and elbows and just, you know, just everything, every trip down the floor. And it's just like, it's exhausting, especially if you're, you know, you're just playing, you're just there to play pickup ball and, and, uh, and, you know, this guy's taking it as if it's, uh, a final four game. But, um, Tennessee is really one of the more physical teams that I've seen in the last few years. And I got to remember, Duke came into this tournament a hot team. I mean, I, I know people who thought Duke was going to make it to the Final Four, and, uh, and and smart people, you know, people who know their basketball, and um, you know, the Tennessee just—it's uh, like they just stomped on their spirit, you know, stomped their yeah. will, and it, it was—it's like they—it's like uh, you know, they turn it into. Like a almost a, a, a like a rugby match or a foot you know it's like football on hardwood. Uh, it's 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 a different style of play. It's not particularly uh, aesthetic or pleasing to the eye. But you know what? It 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 it, it, it works. I mean, I, I think Tennessee is a team capable of winning the national championship. I know this sounds ludicrous, but just because of their style of play. I mean, if the refs keep letting them play this way, uh, you know, being being extremely physical, um, that that uh, that you know, nobody else is playing this style that's left in the tournament, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they progress. And and really, I think you know, Matt, you're 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 Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, I think they have a puncher's chance. Um, you, you know, I, I just it, it's really wide open, and 
I, I just thought it was a, a terrific weekend uh, or a terrific four days of basketball with a mixture of tight games and upsets. And then, you know, I, I think Alabama really did assert itself as the clear number one team in the country. And you have a, a few coaches, right, who are now in the role of analysts saying this might be one of the all-time great teams. Like, you know, they just because for, they can, Alabama can beat you so many different ways. Uh, and again, I don't think they even had their B game this weekend in Birmingham. I'd probably say, you know, C plus game. And they, they beat Maryland, a very talented Big Ten team by 22, Matt. Yeah, and they just make a little bit of an adjustment or maybe it's an emotional adjustment um, in the second half because both these games, I don't think they played really, really well in the first half. But in the second half, they were just blowing people off the court, making shots. And they once again proved that um, with, even without Brandon Miller, they got six, seven, eight guys that can really go out there and play winning basketball. And um, speaking of which, in the NCAA tournament, we're going to talk with uh, Preston Kirk. He's with Knight Edie. He was the actual tournament director for what happened Thursday and Saturday of last week right here in Birmingham Legacy Arena. He's going to catch us up on the success of the tournament and moving forward because, oh, I'd like to see it come back again. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, everybody. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa side 59. Tonight clear, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 33. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, the high 68. And Wednesday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with a high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. On Big Ben Sports, Matt Coulter, along with Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, joined now by the Vice President of Events for Night Edie, Preston Kirk, who this past weekend was the director of the tournament, the NCAA, which I imagine that was about a six-hour-a-day job, something like that, Preston. Uh, you guys did a great job. We all agree on our show that uh, the NCAA tournament at Legacy Arena uh, event managed by Night Edie was a 100% success. Would you agree? And are, are you getting them back? Hey Matt, yeah, thanks for thanks for having us on. Yeah, it, it was it was a great success from from our standpoint, from the city standpoint. I, I think everybody was extremely happy and extremely hospitable. I think the the city showed out um, really well. The weather was great. I know we were inside, but we had two great days of great weather. But yeah, it, everything went went really great, and and we are going to work our best to get this back here in Birmingham. So ho- hopefully we'll know something soon as you know what that'll look like, but we do know that we've got the women coming in in 2025. We'll have the NCAA Women's Regional here in Birmingham in March of 2025. So we'll start planning on that and looking forward to that coming up here in a couple of years. 
what were the biggest logistical challenges you faced? The biggest one, I, yeah, the, the the venue is great to work with, and and they did an unbelievable job. But obviously, fig, figuring out where where we're gonna put everybody and sit everybody, and where the, the teams are gonna sit, and where their their uh, their fans are gonna sit, and kind of bringing all that together. And then you've got the signage that goes along with that. But uh, you know, re- really, e- each piece is a little puzzle that you've got to put together to you know to to bring the whole whole tie together but you know that, really nothing that stands out that just was a massive undertaking it just all kind of comes together for that is there anything that you would do differently next time around if you do get the chance to host a tournament you know i, I think we're extremely happy we'll we'll sit back here and review here this week and the coming months as far as what we're gonna you know do to to make it better and, and make it feel better and but that that's something we'll kind of come back together as a group and talk about. Um, obviously, all that stuff is something that kind of takes time to, to think about and piece together. But, yeah, yeah we, we will always try to improve what we've done here and, and uh, things that we'll do better. But, yeah, we'll we'll work on that as it comes up. Preston Kirk is our guest. He was the uh, director of the NCAA tournament here in Birmingham. Is it difficult or a pleasure to work on? Because you guys have literally got to lock arms with the SEC and NCAA. But given the fact that these two entities do this a lot, you're coming in as an experienced veteran event management group. Does that? I would imagine that works pretty well. Listen, there's there's, there's not a more professional group out there in the country than the SEC, the amount of knowledge and experience they brought to the table on this is, is unbelievable. The, the the level that that you want to have when their name is attached to it, yeah, you can't get any higher than that. So having them alongside with us was an unbelievable experience for us to, to see how they think and to see how they work and, and also the NCAA. Uh, Mar- March Madness is you know, they're one of their largest events year to year. Uh, and they, they look at everything through a, a very fine tooth comb at the, the smallest detail is looked at where you place the towels and where, where you put a sticker is, is there's a science behind all of that. So it, it was a great accomplishment to be part of, of those two entities and to work with them for the past year. Um, as we started planning through this. So really proud to, to have them as partners and, and really value those relationships. How does the bidding process work of, uh, of trying to convince the NCAA to, to, to come to Birmingham and, and, and to hold um, you know, the, the first and second round of the NCAA tournament here? Yeah, really, it's a, it's a full city package on that and the the way the NCAA does that now you you can outbid on a four-year block um so it's no longer year to year um what they ask you to do is you're going to bid on on four years the the next cycle will be 2027 through 2030 so we'll look at those years coming up right now they they are scheduled out all the way through 2026 Really? So you'll put together your package, um, and that package includes hotels. It includes restaurants. It includes, obviously, the, the, the venue information. But then the big piece is your budget, and how, how are you going to 
plan that event with the budget that that you work with them on and how many how much you know your expense is going to be based off your revenue so you you really try to nail that down with what you can offer them and how much money you can save them when the event's going on so it's a, it's a very large package that we'll put together um, that really showcases the city and everything that that we have to offer here in Birmingham hey I want to know where you were what y'all were doing as a group when they released the pairings you I mean it was written in stone literally chiseled that Alabama was going to be here but then they change the pods and they move a number one seed. What your reaction to when Houston was named and then what your reaction when they said, okay, and by the way, Auburn's going to be here too. Did it, I imagine there was elation, but imagine it was also, oh my gosh, we're, <laughs> we, we just yeah. hit the lottery. Well, I, yeah, I saw you tweeted that the Birmingham hit the lottery there with those teams. So we were super excited to have obviously two number one seeds with Alabama being the overall one and then also, uh, having Auburn here was 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 probably a surprise to to everybody, um, even for us as the the managers of this of this tournament. We found out when the rest of the country found out watching watching that selection show. So we had zero uh, lead time as far as what teams we were going to get uh, here. So we had a uh, a viewing party at our office. <clears throat> Uh, and and we were all elated when we saw those those pairings and those matchups come out uh, on that on a Sunday afternoon during that show. So super excited! Obviously, having uh, the SEC as a host and, and getting two of their teams here in Birmingham was was great for them, and, and obviously great for for the city also. But yeah, big time surprise uh, seeing seeing those teams when they got announced. What was the uh, vibe like just in, in the uptown area when games weren't going on and, and you had, uh, you know, people in from all, really all around uh, the, the, the region and, and the country, depending on which team that they were supporting? What did, and also, how important is the uptown area and the development of it? To, uh, to convince the NCA, uh, to come back to Birmingham. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Um, we did see a lot of people around it, that uptown area, saw a lot of people in the five points area, but just, just the fact of the game times of when they were, uh, you know, I, obviously we had games ending very late in the night, so they, they do look for you to make sure that your restaurants are open and you're, your nightlife is open and that you have things to do for those fans that are coming into town. So yeah, that's also a big part of it that you've got fans and spectators flying in from around the country. And, um, obviously one of those days for them is a day off on that Friday between, between the first and second round. So it, it is important to have a lot of those things ready to go. I know top golf obviously saw some, some activity here in, in the Birmingham area, but yeah, that, that uptown, did see a lot of action, um, people walking around and eating those restaurants. So uh, we, we heard that people were going all over the place uh, around the, the downtown area. But, yeah, it's, it's a big part of it because you want people to have things to do while they're here. Um, 
whether they have an early game or they have a late game, that, that there's activities and, and restaurants and places to go eat and drink while they're here. So, yeah, a very important aspect to a tournament is the things outside of the game itself as well. I, I can personally attest, uh, I tried to take my kids to Top Golf. I actually did on Saturday, but it was a four and a half hour wait to get. Wow. <laughs> I go to Top Golf all the time with them and it's never been like that. And, uh, we even saw a couple of the, uh, assistant coaches of one of the teams sort of walking off some nervous energy, walking through the parking lot there at Top Golf. And, and, uh, and yeah, it, it was, it was quite the scene, you know, it, it, even before the evening session began on Saturday. Well, even if with that first game, that, that Auburn and Houston game, we saw Auburn fans walking around uptown uh, between 9 and 10 a.m., and their their tip was 6, 10 that, that evening. So people were, were definitely out and about early on that Saturday, um, <laughs> excited to go uh, for their for those games. Hey, you guys did a great job. I hope you get to do it again real soon, although I'm, I did not know that about uh, now how far out the window is. So is, did I read it right? Is the next one that the Legacy Arena Birmingham could host would be 27? Yeah, correct. Right now we, we are in the, the four-year block of 20, 2023 through 2026. Uh, and then so the, the next the next time we'll have the opportunity to, to get one would be 27. And then between then and now, obviously, we have the Women's Regional in, in 2025. You did a great job. I mean, all, all the report cards I've read are A's. So congratulations on that. A lot of people think, okay, night 80, the SEC, NCAA, whoo, they take a big breath on Monday. No, you got to start all those post-event meetings. So we'll let you get back to those. And thank you, Preston Kirk, for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you all so much. You bet. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Tough job, man. Uh, you got to download a lot of information following, uh, to make sure you get it right in your bid next time. But, uh, I, uh, my family all went and they said they thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, good for Birmingham and, uh, good for Preston and his group night eating. We'll take a break when we get back. We'll, uh, bring up a couple other topics that we have not yet touched on today right here on Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian. Hey, Christian, spring practice. They're starting today for Alabama. 
Is that something you miss now in retrospect or not at all? Well, you know, spring spring ball is a, a very fun time. I mean, you're coming off of doing the fourth quarter program, which is very strenuous. You know, um, it's tough. Uh, it, it definitely tests you physically and mentally. And then now you're finally back to football and um, kind of gives you a little preview for the season. Um, the schedule is a lot different. You know, you, you typically every other day you might practice you know, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you'll scrimmage on Saturdays. Um, but it's just a great time of year. The weather's nice, you know. It, uh, it's definitely very serious, but at the same time, you know, it's not training camp. You're not preparing for game one. Um, so now is the time to really, you know, work on things, work on, a, you know, some new tools, work on some new, um, you know, things you can add to your arsenal. You know, just work on getting better um, and really um, leave your stamp uh, amongst the coaches to show them that, hey, uh, in, in fall, you can rely on me. I can be a guy that can be counted upon to make a contribution to this team and to help us have um, success and ultimately accomplish the goals that we're setting out for. So, um, Christian, two quick questions. One, what does the first day of spring practice look like? And two, um, how important is this spring to Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson? Because obviously the number one question surrounding this team right now is who is going to start a quarterback and is it possible in the spring to Dang, even see us? Hold on, Lars. <laughs> let me let me answer the first one real quick because I want I want to forget the other two. All right. So the the first day is um, typically acclimation day. Probably just helmets, kind of you know going through the motions, um, you know getting you you know back up to speed, getting used to wearing a helmet, and kind of working you in there. And um, that's typically what you'll see out of the first day. Um, it's kind of like that that intro day, so to speak. Now, granted, they've been doing walkthroughs, preparing for this after fourth quarter and whatnot, things of that nature. But still, you know, you got to have a got to have a practice or two to kind of get under your belt, you know, get guys up to speed, and then then they'll start picking it up here shortly, probably towards the end of this week. Um, and then your second question was about um, Jalen Milrow, and I, here's the thing: I, I think obviously as a quarterback, it's going to be vital. Right, uh, kind of like I was just saying before, this is your time to to leave an impression on the coaching staff. This is your time to try to help win the team over, um, get in the flow of things, get some rhythm with your receivers. Um, but we got to remember too, though, this is still spring. There's still plenty of ball um, to be played, and also technically, you don't have all the guys. Now, I know majority of the guys on the team that will be there in the fall are on campus now with the early enrollee rate. I mean dang near everybody from the signing class is here, but there's probably a couple more guys that still haven't got here yet. Um, so with that being said, it's not one of those things where they're going to come out of spring with a, a designated quarterback, so to speak. Um, typically, they're going to let this thing probably roll all the way into fall camp. Now, they may have you know, an inclination on who they are leaning towards, who they feel might be that guy for them, but things can change. I'll give you an example. Um, the, the spring before Jalen Hurts got here, um, he wasn't uh, I don't think he was on campus for – actually, he probably was here. But just the way things shake out, it, it, things change dramatically. Now, I, basically, what I'm saying is he going into the season, he wasn't labeled specifically as the guy, right? Remember, they kind of put him in there against Southern Cal, and he kind of just took the reins over. If I'm not mistaken, I think Blake Barnett uh, was the one that started that game. I believe um, he did. Yeah, so – Things definitely can change. Things can be shaken up. Um, but it definitely is a great opportunity for both of these guys to show what they can do, help try to, you know, make some progress at, at winning the team over, and ultimately just go out there and play football, showcase your talents. Now, sorry, I think you had a third one coming in. 
Yeah, I was I was really wondering, is it possible to create separation if you're a quarterback in in the spring? Like, you know, is uh, is have you seen? Has it been your experience where? You know, entering spring, you see two guys who are neck and neck, and then suddenly one takes a big leap forward. Like, are those opportunities available for uh, a player to really stand out, especially at the quarterback position? Absolutely, but you got to think about this, Lars. It can go in both directions. I've seen guys going to spring being that guy, and then ultimately by the end of spring, they kind of are demoted. They they went from the number one option, now they're number three. So it, can, it honestly can go both ways. Um, but again, it's not a, a, a final, um, deal where, you know, again, if it, you can, you can go into spring and you can be phenomenal in the spring and then you come into training camp and you're still playing pretty well, but another guy just kind of surpasses you. Um, so to answer your question, it, it is possible. Um, but again, ultimately they're going to probably let this thing go out probably until, you know, fall training camp because that's really when it picks up. When you start, you know, prepping for your opponent, um, and you really start putting in, you know, your game plan, you, you start really figuring out who's going to be the guy for the job. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing almost even goes, you know, into the season. We've seen that with Coach Saban and, and these Alabama teams. I mean, it's not uncommon for them to be on the fence about which quarterback is the best option. And we can, we, we honestly might, it might be one of those deals where we see it go into week three of the regular season. People might not be happy about that, but that's typically how it works with Coach Saban. They ultimately want to have the best guy for the job. And sometimes you have to be patient when you're figuring that out. So I wouldn't think we would necessarily find who the true quarterback is going to be by this, uh, by the end of spring. Um, we might start feeling that we have an idea. Um, but again, I think this is going to go at least in a training camp. And then I would not be surprised if it goes into the regular season for a couple weeks as well. Christian, how often did you guys really hit in the spring? Only uh, during scrimmages. We don't tackle um, in practice. We, we, we thought up. Um, but the only time we're, we're full, full go tackle um, the whole nine, that's only during scrimmages. And those are typically on Saturdays. And you have several of those during the spring. Um, but, you know, we try to treat those like, you know, game day situations. Um, you know, we definitely are protecting each other. We're not doing anything out of malice or um, trying to hurt anybody. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the coaches want to see what you can do in, in a game-like situation. Um, you know, we go over situational football. Um, we, we, we do different uh, scenarios. We do a lot of, you know, uh, move team, move the field, third down scenarios, red zone, coming out, goal line, you name it. Um, so that's your opportunity to really showcase um, your your, your skill set and how you can contribute because, again, that's the most game-like situation that you're going to get um, really until um, your first game. I mean, well, technically you do some more scrimmages in training camp, but scrimmages here at Alabama, we try to treat them like games. We ride over to the stadium on the buses, um, wow. and, and we take it we, we take it very serious. It's, it's not a time to play around. I mean, you, you can go out there and play around if you want, but you're going to get busted in the mouth. I mean, guys, take it serious. We, we treat it like a game. Well, they're trying to earn spots on the roster. Absolutely. They earn spots on the death chart. And, um, messing around, giving somebody a hot foot on the bus is just not going to make it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to ask you away from football, because some teams will have a practice and then spring break. Some people, they, they mix it up. Were you an active participant, no matter where the, you know, spring practices were? Were you the guy that, uh, loaded up the truck and went to the beach? What did you do during spring breaks? 
Um, sometimes I just drive back to South Carolina, go hang out with my buddies back home, do a lot of fishing, just kind of, you know, decompress, reset, kind of get um, out of that football mindset for a few days. Um, but it's always in the back of your mind. You know what's coming up, and it's something that you've been working toward, and, um, you know, you're excited about it. You know, you, you kind of um, are eager just to get back out there. You know, it's been a few months um, since you've been, you know, had to put the pads on, put the helmet on. Um, so you're looking forward to it, but you try your best to kind of get away from it. And uh, I typically would, like I said, either go back to South Carolina sometimes, went to the beach a couple of times, but I've never gone to, like, the beach in terms of, like, you know, the wild spring break beaches where, you know, everybody's, uh, congregating on the beach and it's wild. When I went to the beach, it was just like, you know, it's a very personal beach trip. Just kind of really just relaxing because I felt that was important. I, I didn't want to put myself in those situations being on the beach where everybody's drinking and, and acting and wild. It's just like there was just too much going on and too much at risk. So I, I didn't uh, attend anything like that, but I normally do some fishing and kind of just hanging out. Yeah, I can't see Christian Miller uh, doing a bunch of funnel shots down at Panama City Beach. Absolutely not. That doesn't doesn't fit you (laughs) at all. Now, Lars and Matt... Uh, you know, Lars, are you up? We can leave tomorrow. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Hey, something just popped up on my screen here, and we were talking about Patino, St. John's, and Mike Anderson. And uh, Mike Anderson, I'll drop names, is a good friend of mine. I covered every single game, broadcast every single game he did while at UAB. Something's popped up involving this entire situation I I find quite interesting. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Hey, it's pretty- Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high 59. Tonight clear, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 33. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, the high 68. And Wednesday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with a high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, Joe and Aiden back at the studio. We appreciate all they do behind the scenes. As I mentioned going to the break, um, the headline here is that St. John's is talking to Rick Pitino about becoming their head coach. Well, the availability is not there if they don't let the former coach go. And in this case, that was Mike Anderson, who became an iconic figure in Birmingham during his tenure at UAB. 
And uh, I got to know this man on a very personal basis. We still swap texts. He's a good man. But St. John's decided that they will terminate him for cause. And you guys know what that means. And I'll read part of this that uh, Anderson was fired for failure to create, support an environment that strongly encourages student athletes who are in the men's basketball program to meet all university academic requirements, failure to perform your duties and responsibilities in a manner that reflect positively on St. John's University and actions that brought serious discredit to the school and failure to appropriately supervise and communicate with your assistant coaches. Well, that's for cause. So, I mean, first of all, St. John's, I mean, they wanted that $11 million pretty bad to make these type of accusations. And unless Mike Anderson has changed dramatically in the since the years that I knew him on a, literally an everyday basis, uh, these are all false in my eyes. Of course, I wasn't there. But uh, for cause, Lars, when um, you get fired for that, there's pretty much one goal by the university, and that's to keep their money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they owe Mike Anderson $11 million, according to his contract, unless he's fired for cause. And so they put the, 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 the cause action as a, the reason why he was let go. But, um, you know what this feels like? It feels like there was a handshake agreement. And I don't know. I, I, this is just me being cynical again. It feels like there is a handshake agreement between uh, Rick Pitino and the, the heavyweights at St. John's. And once that handshake, uh, wink, wink, nod, nod, was acknowledged by both parties, then they got to figure out a way to get rid of Anderson and figure out a way to not pay him that 11 mil because they're going to have to uh, shell out a, a a king's ransom to get Patino on on campus. So uh, we've seen this happen before. Um, I mean, last year. So so basically, he, uh, Anderson's already hired a lawyer. And, uh, and, a, and a very, um, uh, reputable one. And, um, and, and so this is going to be decided, uh, most likely by an arbitrator. And remember last year, an arbitrator, the, the same thing happened to Kevin Ollie at, at UConn. Uh, UConn said he was fired for cause in, in, in 2018 following allegations of NCA violations. Well, guess what? The arbiter found in favor of Kevin Ollie and ordered UConn to pay him 11 mil, the uh, same amount that uh, that Anderson is owed. So, uh, yeah, of course, this is going to end up either in court or in arbitration, probably in arbitration. And I am guessing that eventually Anderson will see that 11 million without being familiar with what actually transpired at St. John's. But but the the cause, right, the, the language that you just read is so uh, uh, general and generic that it, it, it sounds like a load of you know what. Because yeah. it just, it, if you, if there is cause, there generally is an NCA violation or, or some, some sort of egregious, act was committed by the head coach and they're not 
necessarily saying that. They're, they're suggesting that, that there was something that involved an assistant coach. I, you know, who, who knows what that is really saying. They're, they're saying something without saying it. Uh, and we just don't know what it is at this point, but I, I would, uh, think that, uh, that if I, if I were a betting man, and I am, uh, I think, I, I think, I think Anderson's gonna get his money. On the other side, and we all know, as I've just stated, uh, where I fall in this particular deal, knowing what I know about Mike Anderson. But I started thinking during the break, guys, what does St. John's have to lose? Not a whole lot, maybe, maybe another million in legal fees. But roll this out there, see if they save themselves $11 million. Um, this is, am I being too cynical here? Well, uh, they obviously have their own in-house counsel. So they're already on a retainer. Um, and, uh, what a judge could do though is order St. John's to pay Anderson's legal fees. Uh, that would really be the only deterrent for them to not pay Anderson. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, given, given the amount of money involved, yes, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of a no brainer, I guess, uh, for, for St. John's to do this, but is it ethical if Anderson in fact didn't do anything wrong? No, uh, no it's not ethical. Well, you just throw these claims against the wall and I don't think any of them are sticking. It just, uh, it seems to be very much a reach, um, just to try and get Patino in there and try and get Anderson out and not pay him the $11 million. And, um, I, I hope he gets every cent. Uh, well, you know what? I think you that's going to happen. It, it, it turns out that uh, Coach Anderson, he did actually have to walk on his feet, Christian, to uh, get out of St. John's. You guys know I love talking about feet on here. And I'm not talking about any feet. I'm talking about good feet. <laughs> Playing football has left me with all types of pain, foot pain, knee pain, back pain, you name it. But thanks to my friends over at the Good Feet Store, I found a new way to eliminate and alleviate that pain with their premium art supports. Good Feet Art Supports are precision fit your personal needs, lifestyle, profession, and footwear. I use them for all situations and circumstances, whether it's working out, hitting the links, training the gym. It's remarkable the difference they make in such a short period of time. And it's tried before you buy it. You've got nothing to lose. So stop into your local Good Feet store today. That's a Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. Or you can visit them online and make an appointment at goodfeet.com or head over to their stores nearest to you. And you can find that online by going to the goodfeet.com. Good Feet, improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. I think I might try to go catch one of these practices. If not today, I might try to hit the next one, guys. So I'll, maybe I can have a little update for y'all. Hey, please do. By the way, Good Feet was all over the NCAA tournament. They were. I mean, uh, and a lot of, I think they used some Virginia athletes. Um, it was really cool. High end production on their spots. Um, and I guess, well, I'm certain from what Christian tells me, high end shoes for your feet. Hey guys, we got to get out of here. Let's do this tomorrow in 22 hours. See y'all.